Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. We are beginning, actually last week was the beginning, technically, of the series Living Generously because Dennis Sager's uh, talk concerning their testimony of God's provision as they were missionaries in Japan for now 30 years was part of this uh, theme of living generously as they shared about God's uh, generous provision. And today, you're blessed to hear me speak on something I rarely speak, and we have guests here for the dedication. I almost want to apologize because I almost never speak on money, and so many people think that's all churches always speak about. Um, but like, this is special. Like God must have arranged this just for you. <laughs> no, just kidding. So I'm going to talk about how to be rich. How many want to hear that, right? God's a surefire way of living rich. This is it. You may have listened to the podcast or bought the ebook, but today you're going to learn from God's word, his way to be rich. Yes, I could be a radio announcer. In fact, my brother actually was in radio for many, many years. <laughs> but I'm not going to talk about how to get rich because I have no clue. <laughs> I can't help you get rich. I haven't learned that. I don't even really care. I mean, like, I, I'm glad when God provides financially, but uh, getting wealthy was certainly never something that was high on my list. And um, in Scripture, uh, we're going to take a look at God's commandments and God's uh, instruction on how to be rich, how to live richly. And so this isn't a talk about how to get rich. It's how to be rich. Throughout Scripture, actually, wealth and prosperity are in general considered a blessing. Right? How many want to be blessed in that way? Yeah, it is a good thing. And many of the... Heroes in Scripture were extreme, extremely wealthy. Abraham and, and David and Solomon, unbelievable wealth. <clears throat> and poverty is, in general, seen as a result of injustice most often. And God deals very sternly with those who treat others unjustly, and he defends the poor. Often, uh, Poverty is seen as the result of a sinful, rebellious lifestyle or a curse or a judgment. But poverty is not inherently bad. Okay, there are places in Scripture where it's actually identified as an attribute of a saint to, to give away all. Jesus called rich people to give all. Jesus himself um, likely, you know, as far as we know, had very, very little. He said he had no place to lay his head. So in, in many ways, Jesus could be called homeless. All right. And so poverty isn't inherently bad, nor is wealth inherently good. As uh, in scripture and in life, there are many wealthy people that aren't all that great. <laughs> Amen. All right. So a person's worth is never measured by their material wealth. That's the big point. And it's our relationship with possessions that make us either good or bad, moral or immoral, godly or ungodly, productive or unproductive. In fact, uh, finances or material objects in most cases are 
um, amoral. They're neither morally right or wrong. They're just things. It's what you do with them, and it's your relationship that you have as individuals, how we interact, how we, uh, what value we place uh, in those objects or uh, things that is moral or amoral, good or bad. And so that's what we want to focus on. And there's actually a passage in Scripture that we're going to exegete, and I'm going to talk through it, that gives instructions on how rich people should live. It's in 1 Timothy 6, 17. But before we get to that, I know you're all anxious because you're just overwhelmingly responsive this morning. <laughs> we want to read a few verses ahead of it as introduction. So we're going to start 1 Timothy 6, verse 5 through 10. Um, and he was talking about some false teachers in the previous verses uh, and identified some of their false teachings. And he continues on and says, These false teachers always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt, and they have turned their backs on truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Hmm. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. So, if we have enough food and clothing, let's be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptations and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So just a few points from this passage that we want to highlight. Paul's talking about these uh, false teachers who use ministry as a means for financial gain, which in and of itself I find absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, to have the idea that you would go into ministry to get rich, all right? Uh, anybody that's in ministry knows the absurdity of that. Uh, we might uh, today in our uh, uh, modern terminology uh, think of these as the prosperity gospel preachers or the name it and claim it. That's kind of old now. That was actually back that's really old, isn't it? <laughs> what is a common? I don't know what they're called today, you know, because I don't listen to Christian media, so I don't even know what Christians call them. But people that, um, uh, there are teachers that, that really emphasize uh, using principles of Scripture merely to gain wealth. And I have a friend uh, who I've, I've known for my, almost my entire life, and he's, he's actually an atheist, and <laughs> other than me, he thinks, all preachers are just in it for the money. He thinks they're all filthy rich. He thinks they all live tax-free. And I keep trying to tell him, pastors pay just as much tax as everyone else. Churches are exempt from one kind of tax, property tax, and we don't have to pay uh, tax on our, on our profits because we're a nonprofit organization. There are no profits. Uh, but he doesn't seem to get that. Uh, he thinks he, he interprets everything from, by what he sees on TV. Uh, so you see people like Joel, you know Joel, 
others that may have a private plane. But I actually, um, I actually have a, a friend who is a friend of Joel, and, and that other guy, Benny. Have you heard of Benny? I actually have several friends that know Benny personally. Um, I've never met Benny or Joel. I've uh, been in the same room with Benny, but I haven't met him. Um, but they know him personally. And when you find out a firsthand account, you'd be surprised how humbly these people live. And I know that Joel, uh, for example, has made all of his money from his books. Uh, Rick, you know Rick? Pastors a big church out in uh, California. All right? And he wrote a book that made so much money, he had his church accountant calculate how much he had been paid by the church from the beginning of founding the church back in the 80s. And he paid back every penny of it. And so, yeah, he's really, really rich, and he lives in a really big house because he writes books that lots of people buy. And so, uh, and none of the money came from tithing. Most of those big-name preachers, the money doesn't come from the tithe. Now, some of them abuse it. Uh, and, and I'm not going to defend those. In fact, Scripture here, and Paul is talking against those people, pointing out that those people are a bad example uh, because they use uh, godliness or religion or preaching the gospel. And he was actually talking about people preaching Christianity uh, in it for the money. <clears throat> and he points, he says, godliness should never be seen as a way to become wealthy. All right? Now, there are principles that if you live by the scriptural principles, you will live a blessed life. And those things are true. It will position you to prosper. It doesn't guarantee that you'll be rich, but God will take care of you. And if you live right, if, if, if you give, God will ensure that you will live a blessed life. <clears throat> Paul redefines the issue and says, Godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. So it's really redefining how we see what wealth is. And, and the Bible says that contentment, with godliness. In other words, if you have your right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, that you believe that Jesus is who he said he was. God the Son come down in the flesh, fully human, fully God, that he died on the cross as payment and penalty for your sin, every error, every mistake, everything that you did that you feel shame or guilt for. Jesus took the penalty for that. And that if you confess him as Lord and receive him as your Savior, that you're forgiven and that you have access with God and that you're content with that. You know, if God did nothing else for me, I would die content. Because he died for me. And he promised me that through that death, he would have life eternal. Right? Is that, that should be enough to keep you happy. Right? That's what Scripture teaches. Matt, uh, this, this verse in the message translation is put this way. A devout life does bring wealth, but it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. In other words, being accepted in the presence of God simply through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be perfect. In fact, that's the point. It can't be earned. You can't be perfect. It's only through Him that we gain holiness, and perfection as we spend time in his presence. And so commitment has a much, much higher value than any material thing that we have. And this idea that you can only uh, take <clears throat> out of life 
what you brought into it, I think is, is, is very, very uh, pertinent. Little Nori, what did she have when she came out of the womb? And parents, <laughs> yeah. There's blood, mucus, and <laughs> I remember we had four, we had four children. I was there for all of them. Like, it's, it's like crazy. <laughs> oh, the wonder of childbirth. Like, I wonder why people do it. <laughs> but those babies come out with nothing. And that's how you're going to leave. Whatever you have, even the shirt on your back, gets buried with you or burned if you're cremated. All right? And that's the rock bottom truth. And so it is the, it is the intangible things of life that we carry into the next life. And the tangible things, the things like money and things we can touch, tangible means things that are, we can touch. We leave all that behind. Spirituality means learning to be content with what you have, what, God's been given, what God has given you. And it, the scripture that we just read says, um, uh, it, it, it's often misquoted that money is the root of all evil. You'll hear that in TV shows, people quote it all the time, and it's one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. Because it doesn't say money is the root of all evil, it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's a huge difference. Money or finances or wealth in itself, like I said earlier, most often a blessing. But loving money, all right, is the root of all kinds of nasty things people do. And craving money, which it says in that verse as well, is, is greed, right? Craving. And, and, and believe it or not, <clears throat> Many, many people get caught up in greed. They, they often aren't even aware that their whole life is just attuned to getting more stuff. I drive around. Just yesterday, I was driving down this road and I saw this house. And I was like, there's no, there's no reason why anyone should live in a house that big. I mean, if it was a foster home and they had 20 kids, maybe. And I would bet money there's probably two people living there part-time because both of them work to pay for that house. Now, I'm not judging them because they may have be spending less percentage of their income on that house than I am on my house. But come on, just the race for bigger is not better. And some people caught into that lifestyle because our whole world system is, is built on that premise, especially our system, the American way. You know, America's great. <laughs> if you don't look too close. Just think about that for a minute. America's the best! Well, it depends on how you evaluate it, all right? Because America is built on the pursuit, not of godliness, but of happiness and stuff. And often people end up <laughs> with nothing eternal because they're so focused on that which is temporal. A penniless person 
could be just as greedy or generous as a wealthy person, right? Just because you, you're poor doesn't mean you're free from greed. You may be more greedy, right? And just because someone's rich doesn't mean they're greedy. They may be incredibly generous. It has to do with deeper issues. <clears throat> so today, I'm going to talk about nine ways guaranteed in Scripture for you to be rich. And, by the way, this all applies to everyone in this room. If you live in America, if you rate yourself compared to the world population, you are part of the 1%. All right? No matter what you make, you're part of the 1% if you're living in America. And then if you take out the, the factor of actual dollars you have in your bank account or get in your paycheck, just the fact that you have unlimited access to drinkable water. I have spent time, where, uh, and a few of you here with me were in the village in Africa where they had to go to the well and lower the bucket 30 or 40 feet and pull it up by a rope to get their water. Every single, and then haul it by a donkey up the, the mountain to the, where the village is because they had no running water. I travel constantly to places where if you drink the water, you get sick, you could even die. All right? Here in America, it's unlimited, right? And so we are rich. And so all of this applies to all of us, regardless of how much we may or may not make. Because it says this, and this is the text we're going to uh, go through point by point. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Okay, number one, don't be haughty or arrogant because you happen to have more, all right? Check your attitude at the door. Leave it there, all right? Check your attitude. Don't think that having more makes you or anyone in any way better. Or having less means they are less in any way. That you don't evaluate. Don't be haughty. Don't evaluate anyone based on their material possession or their position, their occupation, or anything other than their intrinsic worth and value in Christ Jesus because they're a son or a daughter. Every other thing is meaningless when you consider their value as an individual. And this is revealed how we act around people. Okay, especially how we act around people who we perceive as having less but also how you act around people that you think have more. And I'll tell you, you think, you think this might not apply to you, but it applies to all of us because we act differently. There's a verse, I think it's in James, this is when someone with really nice clothes come in, you treat them well and give them a favorable spot, but when someone comes in with uh, poor, uh, that are, is evidently poor, you have them sit on the in the back or uh, sit on the floor. The Bible rebukes the church for treating people based on their, the evidence of their material worth. 
Listen, you behave differently when someone walks into the room that you perceive as being wealthy or powerful than when someone walks into the room that you perceive as being poor or insignificant. You act differently. I've seen it. It's my job. I watch people. But I've also, I watch myself. I was on an airplane. I'm on airplanes from time to time. Quite a bit of time. (laughs) I was on this one airplane. It was, I think I was flying from New York or D.C. can't remember. And uh, uh, there were three of us in this row. I was hoping for an empty seat next to me. But last guy on. uh, And this guy was like, like, dang. His clothes were so nice. All right. Now, if you can, if you know me, you know I don't really care about clothes. All right. It's like there's certain parts I got to keep covered. <laughs> Other than that, I don't give a rip. Right. There was. I wanted to ask him. I was like, dude, where do you get your clothes at? Because they just looked like they were. Wow. <laughs> you know. And there was this other guy that was just another guy like me. <clears throat> and uh, he's, he was the last one on the plane. He sits down. And there was just something about him that I could tell, this guy has got money and influence. Also, you can tell by how the stewards, the, the stewards take care of someone. The fact that he was getting on last probably meant that he was very important. He may have been a celebrity because they keep them in special places so they don't have to... Uh, go through the crowd, and it was a small plane, so there was no first class, so he was stuck back with the, 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 the regular people. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to ask him what he did for a living, but I, that's rude, and so I didn't. Uh, and, and so just my awareness of that revealed, it wasn't that I was judging them, him or envying him, it's just that we, we have this inherent in us, and we need to learn how to to respond to the influence of materialism in a way that's godly and not treat them better or worse than someone that may sit down next to me that has uh, rags on, all right? So we all have this in us, and we need to learn how to do it. And also being jealous or critical of those with more is just another form of greed. And you hear this all the time of being critical of those who make money. I I like to tell people, people who know how to make money, they know how to make money. So of course the rich are going to get richer. Because they know how to make money. (laughs) Why does that surprise you? Why are you angry about that? Change the system and they'll figure it out. Because they know how to make money. All right, I want to make friends with people who know how to make money. <laughs> but if we're greedy, if we're angry, if we're critical, it actually reveals that there's some greed going on. Uh, <clears throat> in the same way as if we look down on those who don't. And who are you giving influence? Who do you turn to? You know, constantly in our news feeds, we get, uh, you know, Elon Musk says this. And, oh, everybody reads it. And Warren Buffett says this. And everybody, I don't read, sometimes I read them, but most of the time I'm like, well, I don't care what he says. If he wants to tithe my church, (laughs) I'd be happy to talk to him. Are you hearing me? Who do you go to as influencers? Who do you choose? And that's really your choice, who you choose to influence. Oh, I took all that time at number one. Don't be arrogant. 
Don't trust in money. Command number two, trust is to put your hope, confidence, or your expectation of joy. And this is a term that applies to relation. It's a relational term. What other material thing do you trust? Would you put your trust in this? It's not a pulpit. You know, I do put my trust in a chair when I go to sit in it, but only trusting it to support my weight, which is significant. <laughs> Beyond that, I don't put my trust for happiness or contentment or for joy. I mean, it doesn't even make sense, does it? To put your trust in some, some object. What would they call that in olden days? Huh? Idolatry but we're seduced into trusting wealth because we think it will empower us and protect us. But in truth, it's totally unreliable. Totally. It can be gone in a moment. Wealth can give you the appearance of happiness and security, but it can be lost so quickly. But it also can conceal a person's true state of anguish or emptiness. It's really good at buying masks and facades. And that you think someone is, oh, I have a friend who is a multimillionaire, and he has friends that have much more money than he. And he, he tells me, <clears throat> we went to college together. He didn't have any money back then. I had more money than him. <laughs> now he's super rich. And he says, there's always someone that has more. And he says, and most, of, most people that are rich, and he knows some of the really rich ones, he says they're actually kind of stupid. They often get it through by chance. He said being wealthy just means you are able to make bigger mistakes. So instead of losing a few thousand, they can lose a few million like that. All right, it's, it can hide emptiness. Number three, instead of don't trust in money is number two, trust in the living God. Rather than trusting in something dead, something material, put your trust in something that's alive. Put the relationship where it belongs with a God who loves you, who's alive and gave his life so you could share in his life. All right? It's a relational thing. What's your relationship with finances? What's your relationship with money? If you get anxious because of financial issues, that reveals something about your relationship with finances. All right? If you're putting your hope that everything will work out if you have X amount of money, that means you have a relationship that's dependent on that. Now, I, I'm not saying that we can live in this world without managing our finances well. God teaches us how to do that. But putting your trust in God will help you manage those finances in a way that honors him so that he can honor you through the finances. Uh, when you put your hope and your security, and your confidence, and your expectation for joy in God, you can have a, 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 a assurance that he will not let you down. Right? Doesn't mean he's going to make you rich. Although, it, in general, it is God's will to bless his kids just like any good father. I want my kids to be more well-off, far more well-off than Kathy or I have been. Right? but I know that that's not the most important thing in their lives. So in the same way, God wants you to be well off. 
but he knows what's most important, and he's going to get work on those things first. Number four, are you keeping notes? There will be a test. Uh, your community group, and also when you uh, appear before the judgment seat of God, and <laughs> you know, how did you deal with that? All right, so I'm trying to inform you. This is just what the Bible says. Number four, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Wow, the gospel is not anti-wealth. It's merely saying that we need to have the right perspective, the right relationship with wealth. We are commanded in the same verse to not be haughty, to enjoy all the things that God has given as a gift. All right? So to the degree that God has blessed you financially or material, you enjoy it. Are you enjoying what God's given? Don't feel guilty. To not enjoy it is to not receive it as a gift, and that's actually an offense to the giver. I have a really nice motorcycle. I talk about it a lot, don't I? Every Sunday, do I? Oh, man. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to start keeping track. It's one of the few material things. Almost everything else in my life, I, I really don't care. And if you take away the motorcycle, I'll just get another one. <laughs> <laughs> But I enjoy it. I'm not taking it to heaven. I don't want it in heaven. All right? We enjoy the things that God gives us. That's okay. That's not only okay, it's a command. Right? The fact that we live in a prosperous country, you better enjoy it. Don't feel guilty. Use it wisely, but be blessed by it. God intends it. God said this to the Israelites as they were uh, about to enter into the promised land. Um, he said, you may say to yourselves, kind of a warning. Uh, uh, he's like, I did all of this. He's reminding them that he, God, uh, through Moses, uh, God is reminding them that God delivered them from the Egyptians, preserved them through the wilderness, uh, and, and, uh, and he gave them his uh, law. And he said, in that, he says, you may say to yourself someday in the future, my power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. And so it is part of God's nature to give the ability to produce wealth. For many years, I prayed this uh, almost daily. God, give me the ability to produce wealth. I didn't pray, God, give me money. Pray, I prayed, God, give me the ability to produce wealth because that's what I, I'd rather have. I'd rather have a gift from God to be able to be productive. Number five, do good. I like this. Be rich in good works. Guess what? You're supposed to do something with what you're given. Not just keep it in an account and let it grow. Although that might be part of a strategy in being able to do even more good. This is commanding us not just to be nice. In other words, right, we're to have the right attitude, but when we're given wealth or possession or position or power or anything material in this world, we're to do something with it. Everybody say, do something. Say it like you mean it. Say, say it like a command. Do something. Say, get up off the couch and do something. No, don't say that. <laughs> Just do it. 
<laughs> it's okay to spend time on the couch. Kathy and I just invested in our retirement. We bought really comfortable recliners. <laughs> it was our birthday gift to each other. So uh, there are two Greek words in this uh, verse that are translated good. They're different Greek words, but in English they're the same. The first one just means right or ethical, beneficial, uh, not evil. But the second one means beautiful. It's most often translated beautiful. Do something beautiful. And, and its idea is excellence. Something above and beyond, something surpassing, something really useful or commendable, something that uh, is evidence of your competence, all right? Uh, We're not only encouraged and commanded to enjoy, but we're commanded to use what God has given us to do good and beautiful things, to get stuff done that's worth doing, stuff that impresses other people. So in your occupation, whatever God's given you the ability to produce wealth in, be excellent in that occupation. Whatever job you have, do it beautifully. If you don't like your job, thank God that you have one and do it so well you either get promoted out of it or God blesses you with a better one. But don't complain because God's given you a way to make money and provide for yourself. Be grateful because contentment with godliness is worth more than a bigger paycheck. All right? But produce excellence. This is the command. All of us, you should, in your journals, notate, what are you producing that's excellent above and beyond? that's commendable with the resources that God has entrusted to you. Number six, ready to give. Now, this is what most often you hear uh, preachers focus on. And, uh, you know, that we need to give, we need to give, we need to give, and you do need to give, um, but it's just six of nine. It's not seven of nine. (laughs) How many got that? Oh, really? It's not seven of nine. Sorry, just a little Borg joke there. Hope you're not too Borg. Star Trek going down. (laughs) Jesus said it this way, give to whoever asks. So let's, let's try to understand this. Whoever asks, give. Any questions? No conditions is be ready to give. You know what this means in our day? You got to carry this stuff. I never use this for any purchase whatsoever. Ever. But I try to always have cash. You know why? Because people that ask for money generally can't take credit cards. And I often think I'd like to develop a system where they could have a thing that says text this to this number and then they could just go get that money right it should be easy i I actually have talked to tech people about it and they go yeah that would be easy to do i'm like do it i don't know how to do that kind of stuff all right we need to be ready a friend of mine who ministers primarily to the poor to uh, recovering addicts steve orsillo he was here a few years ago 
He said, how hard is that to understand? He really challenged me because he, he said it so in your face. And then he demonstrated it that everywhere he went, if someone asked for money, he would just, he always had cash to give. And so I challenge you. And I keep ones, but I usually keep a 10 or a 20. Because sometimes I'm, like, I'm just going to slap down a 20 on that person and drive away and go, I bet that just made their day. But they're going to use it to go out buy alcohol or drugs. I'm sorry, Jesus didn't ask. Tell me to evaluate why or how they're going to use it. There's not an application process in this command. It's not about them, it's about me. Am I willing to give every time? It doesn't have to give a lot. I can give a quarter. And I don't give to everyone. I do do the prayer thing. And, you know, it's like, well, I'm not going to be an accident if I try to give to that person. You know, I don't give to everybody standing on the street corner. But I always am ready to give if I have the opportunity. Willing to share is the next thing. Well, this is a little bit different. <clears throat> you can give away some things. There's some things you can't give away. I can't really give away my house. My <laughs> wife wouldn't be happy with that. I've tried to convince her, but, <laughs> but we can share everything. You can share your meals. You can share your time. If you have no money, there's stuff you can share. You can share your love, your concern. You can share knowledge and, and help. And so even the stuff that you can't give away, you need to be ready to share. Willing, willing to share, being, being generous. Uh, in some way, you need to find ways to share whatever God's given you uh, when the opportunity comes. Number eight out of the nine, we're almost done. Home stretch, store up for yourselves. In, in doing this, you will store up for yourselves. Uh, um, Jesus says the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust and uh, inflation <clears throat> destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right? And so a yeah, big clue on the spirituality of where we, what we value, that's where we invest our emotional energy into our heart. That's really what's most important. Another place in the Old Testament says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deeds. All right, so every time you give something to someone poor, you're giving a loan to God. How many know that you can trust he's going to repay you with a generous interest? All right? He keeps track. And he wants you to benefit from this. Ultimately, God wants us to use our wealth uh, uh, in this way uh, so that we benefit, so that we store up for ourselves. All right? And when we do live by these ways and use wealth in these godly uh, ways, we're investing in our earthly and in our eternal future. There's going to be a return. But that also means that you, if you don't use what God's entrusted to you well, then you'll, you'll forfeit a benefit. It doesn't mean you'll lose your salvation. I mean, you can, in the earlier verse, some people got so greedy that they lost their understanding of the truth and went astray. But most of us probably wouldn't go that far. But you may 
miss out on the benefits, the best that God wants for you if you don't live uh, this way in regards to your material possessions. And the last one is that you lay hold. You lay hold on eternal life. And uh, <clears throat> the word eternal can be, transla- can be translated either eternal or the best, the best that life has to offer, life in its highest ideal. But it also means everlasting life in the next life. Jim Elliott, the famous uh, uh, martyr <clears throat> missionary, he said, he is no fool who uh, gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And what you gain by being generous and living generous and living these ways means that you gain an eternal blessing and you gain the blessing that God gives that nothing can take away. Holding on to our earthly treasures loosely enables us to firmly lay hold of the treasure that would endure forever. Do you see it? You have to let go of one to really grab hold of the other. And how we use and how we relate to our earthly possessions will have an eternal effect on us. All right, there is a direct connection. How we use what God's entrusted to us reveals something about us on the inside. And that's what God's really interested in. And will have an eternal impact on your soul.